0: Hello and welcome to Lyceum Letters, my name is David Gregg, I'm the Artistic Director and this is our first collection of extracts from letters sent in as part of our Letters to the Lyceum project. to the Lyceum project is really based on the idea that um, we recognise that our theatre is going to be closed for some possibly considerable time and we felt the Lyceum as a theatre is often perceived as having a personality sometimes people call it the old lady of Grindley Street I don't necessarily think of it that way but I do think there is something of a heartbeat a soul a a feeling around a theater that is different from another building and that takes its energy from the audience and so we felt our theater was sitting empty and that that we wanted to feed it in a way with love with stories with memories with the energy of audience and the energy of engagement Because, I suppose, we know that we are going to come back, our theatre is going to reopen. And when it does, I would love to reopen with a show made up of extracts and collections from these letters that have kept the theatre's heartbeat going during this dark time. So, this is the first collection that we've got. Um, We have some lovely extracts today from Sarah Coburn, Margaret Forrester, Martine McIntosh, Viv Phillips, Marion, Helen McKean, and Ian Brown. Um, We have reflection on the uh, memories of star uh, actors, of Midsummer Night's Dream, of laughter and the vagaries of theatre going, fairy dust, uh, memories of the 1960s Lyceum, A very moving reflection on the meaning of lockdown, different meanings of lockdown and a fascinating um, memory of the very early uh, days of the Lyceum Theatre Company and the last days of Howard and Wyndham. I think it's a really interesting uh, group, mostly based around the idea of first attendances. So this is people's memories of their first attendances the Lyceum. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you will take from it an inspiration to write a letter of your own. Just think of the Lyceum as a friend really, Uh, write about whatever you want to write about, however you might write if you were writing to a friend, your story of how things are now, what you uh, are up to, how you're getting through this time, what you uh, are looking forward to when it's over and maybe some reflections on theatre and maybe specific reflections about the Lyceum itself. So to begin, our first extract is from Sarah Coburn. Sarah, until recently, worked at the Lyceum and she describes a time long before that when she came north from Sheffield with the purpose of seeing a very particular star.
1: Dear Lyceum, my head was first turned by your velvet plush and gilt edges back in January 2005, on a pilgrimage to see David Tennant, whose boyish vulnerability and cheekbones straight out of the knife drawer had set my heart aflutter in the TV series Blackpool. Six months after leaving university, I had just started my first theatre job at the Crucible in Sheffield and was learning the unique joy of working at a producing theatre where you get to see a production grow from the first read-through to first night. And, in The Crucible's case, get to meet a lot of snooker players, who were pretty much lost on me. Taking my seat for look back in anger, I was immediately enchanted by the snug jewel box of an auditorium, although my attention was quickly hijacked by David in his pyjamas and the titian-haired smouldering of Kelly Riley. Given this formative experience, I took it as a good omen that on my first day working at the Lyceum, some ten years later, I noticed a cross-stitch of David Tennant on the mantelpiece of my office. Legend had it that David himself had sewn it, although I later learned that this is apocryphal. Sarah Colburn
0: The next extract is uh, from Margaret Forrester, and she reflects on coming to the theatre as a child and then passing that love onto her own children And she really picks up something I really like about the theatre, which is the way in which plays and uh, encounters with plays embed themselves in your family life. And the phrases from them get passed on and on down through the generations. This is Margaret Forrester.
1: Dear Lyceum, It must have been between my 10th and 11th birthday that the festival put on Midsummer Night's Dream at the Empire Theatre the site of the Edinburgh Festival Theatre. 1948 comes to mind. My aunt gave me a ticket, five shillings, for a stand-only space at the back of the stalls. I assume it may have been for a matinee. Certainly, I used the number 5 tram from Morningside Station up to Churchill, along by the Grange and down towards Thins, where I was told was my stop. I knew Thins. Some school books were bought there, and the Christmas and birthday book tokens spent. Previously, my mother, a widow, had taken my older sister and me to the pantomime at the King's, then to the slightly more acceptable Christmas shows at the Lyceum. She enjoyed theatre, and with a group of teaching friends used to go to the Wilson Barrett Company plays. But on that August afternoon, I was alone. I stood wearing my Sunday best coat, gripping the rail, and hoping it would be better than the pantomime. The complicated mess that the lovers were in annoyed me. But I savoured some phrases. As a child often called Peely Wally, I heard a hero say to his sweetheart, with infinite tenderness, Thy cheek is pale, my love. How chance the roses there do fade so fast. Oh, that someone would one day look at me like that and speak such words. The antics of the workmen annoyed me. But how could one not be delighted by a fairy queen stroking a donkey's ears, my gentle joy? The fairies were, I think, played by children from Sadler's Wells. Certainly, Titania was played by Moira Shearer, Oberon by Robert Helpman, and, amazingly, magically, at the end, they flew. Yes, flew. From front left to far right. Certain phrases lodged in my memory for good. The iron tongue of midnight hath told twelve, lovers to bed, tis almost fairy time. Years later, after homework duly finished, a family game of rummy or snap, And a bedtime story, I would announce. The iron tongue of eight has struck. Children to bed, tis almost bath time. And when we moved from India, then Sussex, finally back to Scotland, we arrived in the summer, and the dream was playing at the Assembly Hall on the Mound. We took both the children, aged nine and eleven. Titania stretches her arms and with sleep still in her eyes murmurs, What angel wakes me from my flowery bed? Katrina, aged nine, announces with shrill precision. That's what you say to me when I come and wake you and Daddy up on a Saturday morning. Margaret Forrester.
0: What angel wakes me from my flowery bed? Um, It's just such a beautiful line. And um, it reminds me that uh, Midsummer Night's Dream was done at the Lyceum not very many years ago. in a Matthew Lenton production that I saw, which had the bold decision to set the play in winter, uh, counter to usual readings of it, that was actually rather splendidly found in the text. And I remember enjoying it very, very much. It's a play I adore, and um, I'm sure that it will be uh, back on the Lyceum stage soon in, uh, in some new production. The next extract is from Martine McIntosh, and uh, I think she captures really brilliantly all the different things we love about going to see a play. I mean, you love the play, of course, but um, actually a lot about we love what we love about going to the theatre is all of the stuff around that, including even some arguments with fellow theatre patrons.
1: Dear Lyceum, Tell them how much we miss them. Tell them how much we enjoy the plays and the wee gins in the bar beforehand. Tell them how friendly the front of house staff are when they direct us to our seats, which we could probably find blindfold, we've been so many times. Tell them how you nearly wet yourself laughing at that line in the Venetian Twins. What was it? Marry him and you'll be farting through silk for the rest of your life. Tell them how you cried at the lion, the witch and the wardrobe when the confetti came down, just before the interval. That was even before Aslan had been killed, and I laughed at you for being so soft, but ended up crying as well. Oh, and tell them about that bossy woman who was so offended at the language used in the Duchess of Malfi that she left at the interval. Her husband didn't want to go, remember, and made a fuss. Listening to them arguing was almost as good as the play. But don't mention that we hid our sweets during cockpit, when the soldier came round the stalls and said that all foodstuffs were now common property and would be confiscated. I wasn't sharing my mint creams with anyone. And don't tell them you called the woman in the lift a boozy wee bimbo when she wouldn't move to let us in because she was holding a glass of wine in each hand. Just tell them we miss them. That each Saturday afternoon is just the same as any other, without a play to look forward to with your theatre buddy. How many seasons have we seen together? Nine? Ten? Going to the Lyceum is so much more than just seeing a play. And you can tell them to forget about the refund. We just want them back. Soon. Till the curtain comes up once more. Martine McIntosh
0: Next extract is from Viv Phillips and Viv is reflecting really on uh, the way that we want to pass on our love of theatre. This is Viv Phillips, and she's talking about fairy dust.
1: Dear Lyceum, When I started coming to the Lyceum after moving to Edinburgh 11 years ago, I was as wide-eyed, open to experience, and ready to engage with productions as ever. I still wonder how touching the void captured so authentically the sense of awe and staggeringly bleak remoteness of parts of the Andes. We shivered with the extreme cold, risk-taking, and stark challenges of the climb. We shrank from cutting the rope, our teeth chattering through the chilling aftermath. Such icy brilliance. In contrast, Pride and Prejudice, sort of, had a scintillating lightness of touch and quick wit, which was an utter joy to watch. Your productions are such a rich reflection of the reality of life as a roller coaster ride, with moments of humour, stillness, frenzy, deprivation, excess, despair, hope, and simple humanity. I desperately wanted my grandchildren to have a taste of the thrill of it all. I hoped that they would love the experience in their own right and see that their nonna was not barking mad to spend so much time in the dark in theatres. I booked seats for us all to see Wendy and Peter Pan at the Lyceum at Christmas in 2018. The children sat in a box, wide-eyed, totally spellbound and almost disbelieving when Peter swung effortlessly onto the adjacent box. They were entranced by a sprinkling of fairy dust and colourful, magical memories, which is exactly the legacy I want to leave them. Thank you, Lyceum. Viv Phillips.
0: The next letter came in from Marion. She hasn't given us a second name. And I love this letter because she goes all the way back to the 60s um, when uh, she first started to encounter the Lyceum Theatre Um, and I guess she just reminds me of the extraordinary continuity of this building and this theatre company and the life of this city and Marion does seem to be one of the most regular theatre goers in the city and for that we thank her. This is Marion's letter.
1: Dear Lyceum, Ours wasn't a family that went to the theatre the occasional variety show at the Palladium, or the treat of a panto at the King's, but you were a near neighbour. I grew up in the Westport, a few streets away from your home in Grindley Street. We did go to the cinema, me and my brothers, to the Pools Synod Hall, which backed onto you in Castle Terrace. My first memory of you was when my mum worked as a barmaid in the Garrick Bar, as it was in the 1960s, when I was around 12 years old. I particularly remember her and my dad going to a production of Sean O'Casey's Juno and the Paycock with comp tickets given to her by one of the actors. I had always enjoyed being in plays at primary school and my interest grew at secondary school when we started studying Shakespeare. I don't remember many school trips to see live theatre but I enjoyed reading plays and taking part in school productions. I left school when I was 16 and started working in an office. One of my colleagues belonged to an amateur drama group based in a church in Leith and sold me a ticket to see a production of Arthur Miller's All My Sons. I joined the group, Kirkgate Church Dramatic Society, now Leith Theatre, in January 1971 and that is when I became a regular theatre-goer and the Lyceum was, and still is, my favourite. I have a spreadsheet of most of the theatre shows that I have seen from 1973. Not complete, but pretty accurate and you are my most visited theatre, 315 times. The next nearest is the Traverse, at a mere 162 visits. Marion.
0: Next extract is from Helen McCain. Uh, This is a beautiful letter, again going back to the 60s, about... Uh, her journeys to see plays at the Lyceum throughout her life and ending with a rather moving reflection on lockdown and the different meanings it carries for different people.
1: Dear Lyceum, In the 1960s, a visit to the Royal Lyceum Theatre was a doorway to wonder and dreams for an eight-year-old girl from rural Galloway. From a life on a farm, it opened her eyes to the world of arts and theatre and possibilities. I had a mother who loved theatre, and a father who loved music and opera. I can't remember the first time I was brought to the Lyceum by my parents as a child. We drove in a Triumph Herald, leaving our farm in Galloway to drive to Edinburgh to have something to eat before a play at the Lyceum or the King's. I don't remember ever staying the night, so they must have driven home in the dark back to the farm. I remember going to Glasgow to see Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, These visits to theatres instilled in me a love of theatre, a love of seeing people on stage taking me to a world I did not fully understand. Now, fifty years later, I thank those parents who nurtured that love. Now the theatre is closed. A virus has done what wars could not even stop. Closed theatres. Too dangerous to even sit next to one another. Yet part of the magic of theatres is the idea that everyone is there for the same reason to share the joy of watching live theatre or music. It's sad to see such a busy, busy theatre have to cancel shows, but I like to think it's just in hibernation. Closed to the outside, but the minds of the actors, actresses, directors and producers are busy planning for a future. Theatres have given dreams to generations of children and this lockdown has given us all a chance to reflect on the past and look to the future. For a theatre to remember the generations of theatre goers who sat in the seats and were transfixed by the action on the stage. For a theatre to look to a future that is uncertain and find new ways of reaching children and audiences. The lockdown means different things to people. For many, it is a chance to stop. To stop the pace of all our lives. For me, it was a chance to reflect and understand for the first time How my own father must have felt when illness forced his own lockdown and he was locked into his own mind. The disease MND took away his lovely tenor singing voice, very quickly. His ability to walk and talk and swallow. He never once asked what was wrong with him, and he kept locked inside his own head the fear and anger. He lost all control of his life, and he never once asked why. Lockdowns mean something different for everyone. Helen McKean.
0: We end this episode with a letter from Ian Brown. I know Ian as Professor Ian Brown. He's one of the great historians of Scottish theatre, in fact, and somebody who knows the Lyceum well. And he sent us a letter which really goes back to the founding of the Lyceum Theatre Company in 1965 and tells us a little bit about that and about his attendance then. I think it's really fascinating.
1: Dear Lyceum, The Real Mackay Memory makes us who we are. Memories make you who you are. And what you are in our memory helps sustain us in these testing times. I remember you before you became home to the Royal Lyceum Company, when you were owned by Howard and Wyndham and presented commercial tours, and didn't produce much yourself besides the annual panto that could run for months into the new year. I remember your company before it was at the Lyceum, when the Gateway Theatre in Leith Walk, led by top actors like Lennox Milne and her friend Tom Fleming, was the Edinburgh producing house. I remember that, When Howard and Wyndham couldn't keep you going and the city took you over and wanted to base a producing company in you, the Gateway Company generously said, in effect, we'll close down. You take our Arts Council grant and carry on our work. And continuity was marked when in 1965, the great Tom Fleming became the Royal Lyceum Company's first artistic director, in whose first season, his Galileo shone like a celestial comet, lighting up your stage. I remember the zest of that opening season when actors like Russell Hunter and Una McLean joined Tom and the others, and your stage was suddenly not just receiving the work of others, but presenting its own creations. I remember since then, above all, your actors, who Shakespeare may call poor players, well, there's no may about it, he does, but in your company they've enriched my life, and that of so many others. Keep safe, and open soon. Ian Brown
0: Ian Brown there with reflections on uh, the very beginnings of the Lyceum Theatre Company. I've really enjoyed these letters and, and, and all of them going right the way back to the beginning and even before the Lyceum Theatre Company, I think bring home to me the continuity of the presence of this building in the life of Edinburgh, but also the contingency in a sense of the producing arm of the theatre. 1965 it was when... Um, the Lyceum Theatre Company started to produce work on this scale in this city. And if you think about it, that really is surprisingly late in the day for there to be a producing theatre company in the city of Edinburgh. Um, This is the first extended period where we face that production ceasing, at least temporarily. But um, we're all determined that we will come back and that when we come back, we'll make plays on that stage again and the plays will be made in Edinburgh and they'll be made for the audience here in Edinburgh. Thank you very much for listening. These are really difficult times for everybody, and particularly, I suppose, for us in the theatre, it seems the virus strikes at the very joy that theatre gives us, a joy of gathering in one place, of watching bodies on a stage interact, of laughing, of applauding. But we resist and we resist by writing our letters and remembering and I guess engaging with the old lady of Grindley Street and trying to let her know that we remember her even in this most difficult of periods. So please um, send a letter. It can be whatever you like, how your experience of lockdown is, your memories, your thoughts about art, your reflections on this moment. And they'll all be collected and we'll read them out in these um, podcasts and also uh, we'll publish them on the website and perhaps beyond. And hopefully in the end, they will become a show uh, on the glorious day when we're enabled to reopen. You can send your letters to letters at lyceum.org dot uk letters at lyceum dot org dot you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes and acast um, please do so and please share the links to your friends so they too can subscribe and just keep up with what i hope will be a lovely and growing project thank you very much for listening please listen again and i look forward to reading letters from you soon